Happy May Day! May to the day to the day to May. Hello to our online community. Hello! Did you know that Echo could be your place, your people, and your purpose? Wow! All in one space. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. We encourage you to take your first steps into this life-giving local yeah. church and find the community and the support that you've been hoping for. Mm -hmm. Let us know that you're out there or Do stop it. by on a Sunday sometime. We'd love to connect with you. Come on by. Also, we want to remind you that we are no longer meeting at the castle anymore. We out, okay? We now meet at Mayo High School for two services every Sunday, 9.30 and 11 a.m. Please join us. And thank you for your generosity and thank you for yeah. giving of your tithe, which is 10% of your income as worship to God in His Ooh. kingdom work. Hallelujah. If you are looking to give, head to our website or text any amount to 84321. Enjoy Echo Online Service. Indeed. Zai Chin. Zai Chin? I won't forget the wonder of how you brought deliverance, the exodus of my heart. You found me, you freed me, held back the waters from my
special opportunity today to um, take communion and um, communion can easily become a task a religious duty and it it's it's something that can be so mundane if we allow it to become that but we have the opportunity to do the opposite that we can be intentional with it. We can capture the moment to experience the very real and tangible presence of God. And, and we let us not lose the significance of today, that it's Palm Sunday, that we, we, we remember, we reflect that Jesus was coming into Jerusalem, that, that in uh, Matthew 26, it talks about Jesus having the last supper before he dies on the cross. And that he sets this model for us in communion, what it means, the significance of it. And that we have the privilege and the the luxury of hindsight, but the disciples were still so confused and wondering what God's plan is, what is Jesus' plan. But we know there's victory here, that there's victory in in Jesus' death. In 1 Corinthians 11, the apostle Paul, he, he teaches us on communion. He talks about it, the significance, the importance of it again. And a lot of times that's, that's some, a scripture that we'll read when we do a communion service. Um, I'd like to, to offer us Isaiah 53 and verse 4. In Isaiah, I, these, these words, 700 years before Jesus came, 700 years he prophesied about the Messiah. He prophesied about Jesus, about what would happen to him. Like the story of God is all culminating here. Right? It, it is, it is, blows my mind, the story of God, God's plan for us, for you. Isaiah was a part of it, and he writes these words. He says, yet it was our weaknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment for God, a punishment for, for his own sins. But he was pierced for my rebellion, for our rebellion against God's plan. He was crushed for my sins and for your sins. He was beaten so we could be made whole. You can be made whole. It's a promise in God's word. He was whipped so we could be healed. And all of us like sheep, it's not a compliment. Sheep are, have you ever been around one? They're dumb, they, they, they lose their way, they can't focus, they need guidance. Right? But we, we are like sheep. We have strayed away. We've left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. That this, this little wafer, 
So go ahead and take that out of your container now. This little wafer represents Jesus' body, that it was, it was broken, that, that he was crushed, he was beaten, that Isaiah, 700 years before it happened, prophesied that it would be so for you, that you here in this moment could experience God's presence in your life and experience forgiven for your sins that were paid for. Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. What a, what a precious thing. So, such a holy, sacred moment right now if we just allow it, that if we give you our full attention, that you're here, you're here regardless. But could we just turn our eyes to you? We thank you for your sacrifice. Go ahead and take the bread. Isaiah prophesied And the writer of Hebrews had the privilege of hindsight. They also knew the history of God's story from Genesis through the kings, through the prophets, and Jesus, and then after. And we're in the after. And, and the writer of Hebrews has to say this in chapter 10, verse 19. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus by his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. When Jesus died on the cross, Matthew 27, verse 51, it says that the veil in the temple, this curtain in the temple was torn in two. And that was not just a symbolic separation of us from the presence of God, but it was a real physical one. And the spirit of God went out when that veil was torn. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is referring to. He knew the power in Jesus's death, the power that it has for us here today. So that's what this cup of juice represents is Jesus's blood forgiveness of our sins that we've been we've been healed we've been made whole that we cannot take for granted the power of Jesus's blood in our lives Jesus again thank you that that our guilty conscience was something that you bore that you paid for that we can be made righteous we can have right standing with God thank you for your sacrifice today we thank you for the blood that was spilled to wash us of our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and take the, the juice today. Heavenly Father, we pause in this moment. We just have hearts of gratitude towards you. We thank you. Thank you for your son, for your word, and your presence here today with us. In Jesus' name, amen. did give you an update, and, and I actually asked the church, I said, hey, uh, if there's anybody with an enclosed trailer, uh, we need one for our new portable solution as we get back on the road, and uh, guess what? Two trailers came in this week. Isn't that awesome? 
Uh, and that's because of your generosity. And, and man, I, and, and actually it, it helped me realize that there are certain individuals out, out here that like, in, like you like giving in a unique way. And uh, because I got two trailers when I asked for one, I, it just gives me uh, the inspiration to ask for a little bit of more, a little more, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> And so uh, our next little need here is we truly need a, a truck. Uh, a three-quarters ton would be ideal to pull a really large trailer. And again, that may not be in your budget, uh, but it could be in someone's. And I'm just going to throw it out there. If you want to give a three-quarter ton, uh, ton truck with an extended cab plus leather seats. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> totally joking, but kind of serious. Uh, I'll drive it. Um, but no, for real, we're in need of that. And, and you know that 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 is a potential uh, way to meet that need. But then there's another group of individuals. There are a couple people here in this room, and you've been saying, "Should I buy a new truck?" And today is your confirmation. Yes, you should buy <laughs> that truck today. Uh, but know this: if you don't volunteer for Echo Church, don't buy it. It's not not the right motive. Not the right motive. <laughs> Uh, no, but for real though, we're, we're going to need a couple guys to, to just volunteer with our load-in team and, 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 and uh, load-up team. And if you have a truck and it's available, uh, we would love to use your resource to expand the kingdom of God. Can I hear an amen? amen. Uh, we are, uh, today it's Palm Sunday as Isaac told us, it's this reminder that we are celebrating really the week that leads up to the crucifixion and the death and the resurrection of, of Jesus. And as we are in this emoji series, I was thinking like, well, man, maybe we should leverage Palm Sunday. Uh, and is there, is there some kind of emoji that would help kind of deliver that concept? And I found it. The only thing I regret was this, is I didn't put a ice cream sundae right next to it. It could have been Palm Sunday. I mean, that, I am the most creative pastor out there. You know what I'm saying? So, so but I do, I want to talk about this. I want to play on the word a little bit. I want, I want to play on this word Palm. When I think of palm, yes, I, I think of uh, palm trees and I think of palm branches as we will read in the text this morning. But I also think about the palm branches that were on these bright blue socks I was trying to wear today until Christy came to Echo and told me to take them off because she was embarrassed of me. So anyway, the best palm I can do is, is about that one right there. So anyway, uh, I do think of of Palm Beach. I mean, we could all use a Palm Beach right now, you know what I'm saying? I wouldn't mind going there. But the other thing that I was thinking about Palm uh, is Palm Pilots. Can anybody date themselves in the room? You had a Palm Pilots. See that hand right there. You are blessed and highly favored. Uh, Palm Pilots. Palm Pilots. I had a Palm Pilot. I believed in it until it crashed. And I threw it away and never looked back. Can I hear an amen? Um, but the palm that I really want to talk about today is this, is, is this palm. I, I want you to just, can you, can you all do that for me? Can you, can, you, can you go emoji on me just for a second? And, and put your hands out and, and I, I want you just to, to pause and I want, to think, I want you to think about those palms. I want you to think about your hands and I want you to think about all those high fives you've given people and handshakes and, and yet the power of the hand that if you, you change it from this posture to this posture that it presents a certain message. And the power that is within our 
hands. I, I think about the gripping power and, the, and how the palm is really this gripping agent. And, and I also want to think about how the hand and the palm is so easily overlooked and underappreciated because it's just there. For those that don't have a palm, they have a different perspective. The hand is a fascinating, uh, like I say it, like tool that we get to wear. And, and, and let me just geek out on here a little bit. Well, I found this online and it's probably fake, but you know, it's on Google, so it's there. Uh, but the human, has 17, the human hand has 17,000 touch receptors and free, and, and free nerve endings. You all would agree with that because if you've ever touched a hot pot, you've realized how sensitive your hands are. They, they help us navigate through life. And, and, and how about this one last thing about the hand? And I think this could be a little message to how we live life is we will stretch and reflect and bend our hands over 25 million times in the course of our lifetime. They're flex, they are flexible. I don't want to just talk about this palm. I do want to dive into Palm Sunday and, and just kind of resonate a little bit on the message of Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Contextually, what you have to understand is Palm Sunday is traditionally uh, something that we celebrate today, but it was a part of the week that led up to Passover. The week that left, led up to Passover. Passover was this Jewish holiday where the Israelites and the Jewish people and the religious organizations would remember how God delivered the Israelites from Egypt. So just, I want you to understand that as we begin to read this text is, is what is going on? What is the scene that is leading up? What are the feelings? What are the, what are the senses? What are they hoping for as they remember this day or these celebrations that are leading up to Passover? I mean, I'm telling you what, the Israelites, they knew how to party. They don't do just parties for like an hour on a Saturday. They partied for a week. And this was part of it. Jesus entered into this uh, city of Jerusalem. And really what was going on is hope for redemption ran high on the, in, during this week. I want you to hear that, that hope for redemption truly ran high at Passover. This is what they were feeling. This is what they were thinking. This is what they were remembering. And this is where our text begins. Mark chapter 11, verse seven says this, they, they brought the colt to Jesus and they threw their cloaks, uh, cloaks on it and he sat on it. Now, I, this is one of the most, like, one of my favorite stories um, of, of, of the Bible because Jesus, event, he, he, he legitimately looked at his disciples and said, hey, go into the city and find a colt for me. And they did. I mean, he was more or less, he was encouraging them 
uh, to, to steal a few things, you know what I'm saying? And, and that, that just points to the reality that these disciples must have been young enough because I could see a bunch of teenagers going into Jerusalem and going, hey, give me that colt. And, and if you read the, the story, you'll see like the owner actually sees them taking the colt and they're like, whoa, hey, what are you doing? And, and, and their answer is, well, we got to give it to the master. Uh, and so anyway, if, if you don't give your truck, I might just go take it. Uh, so that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, the Bible says so. So anyway, um, anyway, bad joke. But anyway, uh, verse 11, it says this, many people spread their cloaks on the road and while others spread branches uh, they had in the fields. Though, and, and, and in the gospel of John, which this reference is, uh, this story is made in every gospel, which is obvious, it try to make, it, it's making it clear that this is a very uh, important story. They spread out palm branches is what it said in John. In verse nine, it says, those who went ahead of them, ahead, and those who followed shouted, deliver us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest heaven, which is a plea to say, Jesus, save us, rescue us. And then verse 11, it says, Jesus entered Jerusalem and he went into the temple courts and he looked around at everything. And and, in this reference, Jesus doesn't go into the temple and starts, he doesn't start turning the tables and other references he does. But I want you to, I want to remind you when Jesus enters your life, that's kind of what Jesus does. When you invite Jesus into your space, into your life, I, uh, you know, I had uh, my youngest daughter who, who recently, or my middle child, recently came up to me and she had this epiphany and she's like, how can Jesus live in my heart? Like she finally gets it. Like it, it, it just didn't really fit there, you know what I'm saying, physically. And what I want you to understand is when Jesus walks into your life, he makes that observation. And I think one of the best questions that we could ask Jesus is we welcome him into our life and he may not fit into our, our life, but he, 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 you know, we welcome him in our everyday ordinary life is Jesus, what kind of observations do you have in my life? And would you make those known to me? That he would make those observations known to us. And, and in this text, I have made four observations that I think we could apply to our life and, and to better understand what's going on here on Palm Sunday. So here are the four observations. Number one is when Jesus is entering Jerusalem, he's entering with a king's entrance. What you have to understand is past kings. Past rulers have entered Jerusalem in the same way. This isn't just a one-time event where Jesus is the one that enters Jerusalem and they're celebrating and they're excited and they're putting palm trees down. No, this was done in previous kingships and in, in, in king, with previous rulers. And, and Jesus is just replaying that event in, within that culture, within that city. And, and what, what they're doing is they're putting those palm branches down and they're putting their cloaks and and really what it is it's the modern day rendition of the red carpet for Will Smith and Chris Rock <laughs> last week last hour I got a little razz for that and they were you know some people were impressed how relevant I am as a pastor <laughs> and other people were disappointed that uh that it's such a week you know it's a week old so anyway moving on 
couple weeks old. So anyway, uh, the first thing is this. It, it, Jesus enters with this king's entrance. The second thing that I think we need to see, observation, is this was a prophetic fulfillment. I love that Isaac brought up that, it, that, that Isaiah and the, and the verse that he read for communion is 700 years old and Jesus did it all. I mean, it's, it's amazing. And the same things happen here. And a reference in scripture that I want to read is Zechariah 9.9. 9. It says, rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fall of a donkey. This is a moment where Jesus is truly living in a humongous statement. And really living out the promise that God had, had, had really inspired through men many, many years later. And I, you got to see that. That's, I think that's absolutely awesome. The other thing that I think is worth mentioning is this is a triumphant entry. He's not coming down. I mean, even though he's sitting on a donkey and, 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 and uh, yes, he has a sense of humility and, and he's a lowly king, as Zechariah mentions, is, is, this, is a, this is a moment of expectation and this is a moment of excitement. This, this is, man, if we could be anywhere at any time, at any point, uh, and if we could get back at that moment, this would be an amazing moment as Jesus is being ushered into Jerusalem. And those are three observations, but the fourth one uh, is this, and, and, and I, I feel like it's an observation that kind of builds off those first three, is although, yes, the king had entered into Jerusalem, and yes, it was a fulfillment of a, prophet, a prophetic promise, and yes, it was a triumphant entry, the fourth observation is this, is the people completely misunderstood what was going on. They just missed it. And what I want to do is, is, is tell you that in three different forms and, and shapes of people is there were rulers and as they were observing Jesus coming in, the king or the rulers of that, uh, that really segment of that landmass and those people, I can guarantee you as they heard and they may have even seen Jesus entering into Jerusalem uh, themselves, as they looked at that situation and what they worried about was this, that there's going to be a revolt. That war was at, at their hands and at their feet and were coming into their streets. And, and so as a ruler, I can just guarantee you that there was an uncomfortable uh, a sense that was just over them of what does this mean for me and my power? The second group of people that I want to bring up is the religious leaders is they saw Jesus riding in and the Israelites shouting and screaming and celebrating uh, this incumbent king. And I can guarantee you they were thinking in their mind, like, what does this mean to my spiritual authority? What does this mean to their metaphorical stage and the size of it? What does this mean to, to their influence with their people? And I guarantee you, many of them sat back and, and they were concerned because they knew Jesus coming into their space might push them out of their own. Yes, we love our kids. 
And then the last group of individuals that under, misunderstood, and, and again, maybe some people didn't understand what was going on, but it was just the real people. They saw the conquering king, and with this conquering king coming into their city, some of them had political hopes of what Jesus would mean to them politically. And, and yet there were other individuals and they would be concerned about what this meant to their economic hopes and their desires and, and what their, really their pockets and how full they would be. And, and yet I, I do believe there were other individuals. They, they thought of like, oh man, Jesus coming in. This is going to be good. This is going to be good for my opportunities because they have a sister who has a brother's, cousin's, aunt's, dog's, uh, co-dog, friend, friend dog that, uh, that they knew someone who knew a disciple of Jesus, and that could play a really good benefit to them and their opportunity in life. I can guarantee you they were looking at this situation and going, how can this benefit me? And what I'm trying to say is this, is all these different groups of people, they saw Jesus in a different life, light. And, they, and, and honestly, I think they looked at that very moment and they began to define for themselves what kind of hope Jesus could bring to them. And I do believe that, that, that there are individuals when they see and they hear of Jesus, they don't actually see hope. They see the exact opposite. But the one thing I can tell you that, that these individuals had in common is this, is they were holding on to something. They were holding on to, I believe, a, a, a figment of hope. And when Jesus walks into people's life, he begins to expose what is in their hands, in their palms. And in that very moment, as Jesus was walking or, or riding in on a donkey, I believe he began to expose what was in people's palms, what people were gripping a hold of, what was important to them. And as I was processing and I was praying about emoji and, and what, it, what it means to have a healthy spirituality, the one thing that stuck out to me was this, is a healthy spirituality understands that a hope received is a hope that is always shared. But I believe this as we as individuals is we like to kind of keep our hope to ourselves. We like to keep what we have in our hands and what we have in our possession or what we aspire to in, in, our, uh, in our sphere. And, 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 the, and I guess what I'm trying to get to is just to challenge you just a little bit of, is, 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 is taking a step backwards, making an observation of your own life, what you have in your hands, and just simply asking God, am I just looking at that, that those possessions and and and, and and, and maybe my emotions and, and, and my own uh, emotional or spiritual health per se, and begin to just simply ask this, am I just living a life that just benefits myself? Because I think if we're not careful, we don't hold our hands like this, is over time we begin to hold our palms like this. And we close them and, and we begin to believe that, that the hope we have is meant to be kept. But I have to tell you that a hope kept is a hope crushed. 
I pray that we wouldn't be people who receive hope and hold it so tightly that it only benefits ourselves. And I believe this season and this holiday, the, the, the Palm Sunday, this historical event is meant to be a reminder of hope, but it's also to remind us of the hopeless. It's so easy just to be so concerned about what we have. And it's so easy to forget what people don't have around us. I, I like the, the proverb in chapter 3, verse 27, that says, do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. When it is in the power of your hand, in the power of your palm, to do so. Let me read that again. If you see, let me paraphrase, if you see some need around you, you see a person that is hopeless and it is in your power, within your palm, within your hand to do something, then do it. So I have a few questions for you today as we invite the band back up and conclude our service. Here's three simple questions. Where does your hope come from? Truly, what is your source? Take a moment and, and, and take a day, take the next week and, and make an observation and just simply go, what am I hoping in more? Am I hoping more in Jesus and what he provides and what he promises in my life today? Or am I putting my hope in something else? Here's another question. What hope are you holding on to? See, I think, I think there's, a, uh, there's a concept of uh, let me just say it like this. I think we're called to have an open hand type of lifestyle. Yes. And God wants you to have hope and he wants you to have a sincere hope. But, but again, it's, 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 I want to remind you with that simple question is let us not live a lifestyle where we have clenched hands. Are you holding on to that hope too tightly? And then the third question is this is who are you giving that hope to can I say it like this whose life has you have you recently entered where you provide a triumphant entry of Jesus in their life if I can really say it very simply it I'd say it like this when it comes to giving hope to people say it show it and pray it. Healthy spirituality does this with people. Say it, show it, and pray it. There's a subtle nuance that I need you to see here. We have a part to play when it comes to the sharing of the gospel and the hope of Jesus, the hope of the world that he provides. But yet, let's be honest, God plays a bigger role. I know that there's people in here and, and you've submitted your life to Christ. And, but prior to that, there is some, maybe some drip, dripping faucets in your life that told you about the hope of Jesus. But not until God did something in your heart did you receive that hope.
So if we're going to be and provide that hope for people, then, then I really do think it's very important to say it. Let's be people who show it, but then people who are praying it into people's life. I love how God ordains his timing. I love how the Holy Spirit speaks to me and I have no idea what he's saying. But then when I come in a day like today and I open up the 21 days of fasting and prayer and pursuit within the document that we gave you, and I get to day 13 and day 14, and in Romans 12, it reminds us to be steadfast in prayer. And then today, as I was reading, it reminded me of this, practice hospitality. If we're going to be a people of hope, if we're going to triumphantly present Jesus into people's life, then we've got to figure out this pH balance of prayer and hospitality. That we have to understand that we have a part to play, but man, God's timing and his provision and his inner working and, and our belief that our prayer actually makes a difference. And I sense there's some people in here and you, you, you've got your... Your steadfast perseverance for prayer is waning. It's weaning. It's, it's just not really like maybe you've forgotten to pray for that individual. Maybe you've given up a little hope for someone that is hopeless in your life. Man, I, I was looking at an individual right here last hour and he's got a brother that's homeless and, and it's some kind of circumstance like this where you can't even imagine, you can't even envision that there would be a change in that individual's heart. But that doesn't mean we stop praying praying and believing that God could do something bigger and he can do more than what your hospitality could ever do. That when it feels like it's hopeless, that it's, that's the exact time that we begin to believe that God can do something. And my prayer today is that Palm Sunday should be a reminder on how much we need people or we need Jesus but it would also be a reminder for us to be compassionate, to intercede on behalf of others for Jesus to enter their life as he's entered ours. I wanna read you something from the book, a book called uh, How to Pray. The author says the great preacher D.L. Moody certainly knew all about waiting and persevering in prayer. It's recorded and in fact, he carried a list of a hundred non-Christians names from whom he would pray daily for. And over the years, when one of them gave their life to Christ, Moody would cross off their name on the list. And by the time of his death, no fewer, fewer let me hear that again, by the time of his death, no fewer than 96 out of 100 of those people became followers to Jesus. What an amazing testimony of the power of persevering in prayer. Even more remarkably, the remaining four surrendered their lives to Christ at Moody's funeral. And the 100 were saved simply because Moody's bloody-minded determination his refusal to relent over weeks or months and years. And I think what God is trying to remind us today on Palm Sunday is that we should posture our hands like this. We'd be people of hospitality. 
we were people who, who say the hope. We're people who show the hope, but yet we're people who pray the hope. There's my second emoji. That we figured out that, that pH balance of hospitality and care and concern of people's needs, but yet we are people who believe that there is more power in prayer and prayer and the sovereign work of Jesus in someone's life. So Jesus, today we come to you and, and we begin to lean. We lean in on you. Because all across this room, I believe there's one or two or maybe three individuals who are far from you. There's a few people, individuals in our life who don't have hope. They don't have that peace that, that is present in the midst of any kind of circumstance. And God, I just sense that you are placing into our hearts to begin to write their names down. I, I just sense all across this room, God, uh, you want us to text ourselves a name or two or five or six or a family member, a neighbor, a, a coworker, maybe even an enemy that just simply needs the hope of Christ. God, I just ask that you would just make us prayer warriors here, not just for this moment, for, but for the rest of our life. God, help us become more balanced in our P and H. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, Echo Church, will you stand up as we prepare to pray a prayer that we pray on a weekly basis that simply reminds us this, that we cannot do life alone and that Jesus is our hope sense that there are some people that walked into this space, maybe just a person, and you feel far from God. This is Jesus's invitation, an invitation where he has his palms wide open and inside and on those hands is a hope that he wants to provide for you today. So as we pray this prayer, my hope my desire is that you would tangibly feel God's presence in your life as proof that Jesus loves you. Let us pray this prayer. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, but I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, and you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me in Jesus' name and his authority, amen.
Give it up for God today. Come on. Come on. You know, my good buddy Ryan gave me this hat. For those of you that don't know, this is the Byron baseball hat. And this is specifically the home baseball hat. And what I think is interesting is, you know, as a church, it's easy to think of Willow Creek as our home. Or the castle. Or maybe Fagan Studios. Or maybe our living room was Echo's home for a little while when we watched some stuff online. But here's what I want to remind us. Echo's home when we're there, right? When these people in this room, when all of us are hanging out, that's Echo's home. And it doesn't matter if it's here or there or the next building or the next piece of land or the next school or the next whatever. God is going to be there. God is going to meet us there because we're going to be there. How does that sound? I like that idea. I like that idea of our next home. Yeah, come on. Now, we like to celebrate here at Echo, so let's celebrate those that came for the very first time today. We are so glad that you are here. We are glad that you're a part. Now, if that's you, go hang out with our friends at the info table out there. They have a gift card for you. We'd love to get to know your name. Uh, Also, those that said the prayer for the first time, let's celebrate those today as well. Come on. 